We're gonna stay here all night if we have to, so let's get started. It's time, America, for the number one conservative common sense podcast that's calling out all the social justice, political correctness crap, and putting it on the run. Do you think you can handle it? So hop in and buckle up and get ready to ride with two straight-shooting, tell-it-like-it-is ex-street cops. And they know how to party with few inhibitions. As they give the special interests and weak-kneed politicians a swift kick in the ass. Wow, is that legal? With some good old-fashioned common sense. Bring it on, baby. It's Cop Talk USA <laughs> with your hosts, Marillo and French. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Cop Talk USA. I'm Roger French. I'm with my partner, Dave Marillo. I think that's my name. Is that your name? I yeah. think so. Half the time, you don't know what your name is. I don't know whether Are you I'm wearing on... pants today? Did no, you, not really. You, you know, some, you know some... For you, Steve, Roger. Come on. I don't know whether I'm on foot or horseback. Half I tell the time. you, after Thanksgiving, all the food I ate. Oh, yeah. I, yeah I got, I, I've got those expandable pants. <laughs> you know, that <laughs> <laughs> you see like third graders wear. Yeah, elastic waist. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> They're coming out. How was your Thanksgiving? I was. It was good. I mean, uh, two of my four children and their spouses and children were at the house and two traveled. But it was good. Uh, too much food, uh, a lot of football, uh, a lot of good conversations. Just I can't complain. Oh, Blessed. I, Blessed. You know, I had my kids over. My daughter comes over. I, I had the best both. I mean, this was probably one of the best Thanksgivings I had. They they brought all the food. They cooked it all. My son brought a pie. We sat around. We ate. I didn't have to do a thing except eat. Laid around for about three hours. Grandkids played. Sent them away, said goodbye, yeah, yeah. and I, you know where uh, I went, right up to the bed, crashed, yeah. and the rest of the day was the big bed watching sports. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, no, I, I, uh, great, was, great Thanksgiving, though. It was, you know, and you and I are both blessed, Roger. We have great family uh, support and great friends, so we can't complain. No, no, and, and you know, this weekend, and I know we talk about sports a lot at the start of the deal, and people say, hey, you're on a sports show. Well, we talk sports. I'm sorry. But... Um, it was probably a prime time for basketball, for football. You know, I went to the Iowa State game on Friday up there, saw a good game. Mm -hmm. I went to the basketball game the other night, and then, of course, I saw them play, and they upset. Uh, they were out in New York and won the NIT, the NIT uh, that uh, tournament they had out there. Did a great job there. So, I mean, I was excited. Yeah. All weekend, I mean, there was football all over. There's yeah. basketball. There's anything you want. You know, the most impressive thing I saw, and I'm a football fanatic just like you, was the way uh, Iowa State head football coach Matt Campbell sent his senior players off. That was heartfelt. He Matt was emotional. He should be. He, he and those kids took the program where it's at, and I think everybody in the nation watching that got a little lump in their throat. Oh, and now we start the coaching. The, is Matt Campbell going to leave? You know, yeah, every year yeah. we go through this. And, uh, of course, our boys down in Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> what goes yeah. around comes ha around, doesn't it? Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I mean, you, you had to leave the Big 12. You snubbed us for money. Well, guess what? Now your coach snubbed you for money. Exactly. And he's gone. And you know what? Uh, since there's going to be changing coaches at Oklahoma because he, uh, Stoops – is it Stoops or – Well, Stoops uh, – Stoops no, is coming in. He's coming in. Um, yeah. And he, uh, what's the other – what's their coach's name? I can never remember his um, – yeah. Oh, what's his name? Um, I just had it on the tip of my tongue. Anyway, anyway, they're going to the SEC. So that's that's a smart move. You leave the Big 12, and you're going to go to a conference where you're going to get your ass kicked constantly because <laughs> yeah. you're going to feel the wrath of teams like Alabama and others. That was a smart move, Sooners. Well, and, that, and they're losing like uh, – so far, I think, they're, I think they're up to about six or seven uh, recruits. 
yeah. are leaving it, and even their uh, star quarterback, he's making noise like he's going to leave. Rattler left, their backup left, and this other kid's Riley, uh, that's Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. the, the Riley. Lincoln, Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley, he's yeah. the coach. But yeah, he's, he's taking, taking some of his recruits with him. And, and their current people, they're going to be sitting there kind of wringing their hands going, what are we going to do? And we're, st- and we're going over here. Yeah. I mean, everybody at Iowa State's laughing about it. I can tell you, everybody in the Big 12 is laughing about yeah, it. Yeah, and, and the Longhorns, they can't be real happy watching because they're both leaving, I think. Isn't Texas leaving too? Oh, Texas is gone. And, yeah. and, and, and <laughs> what? they're not even going to a bowl this year. No. Not even going to no. a bowl. So we haven't heard what the bowl is going to be, I think, because we beat – uh, TCU, it should be pretty good. Yeah, but uh, we're going to find State's out. a good team. I mean, they're yeah. they're, they're playing they're playing consistently now. I mean, all these college teams have good days and bad days. Mm-hmm. Their kids playing football. Bryce Hall had uh, yeah. uh, uh, took Stun. on a, he he just uh, got an NCAA record for uh, touchdowns, uh, consecutive touchdowns. So yeah, he'll, I he'll mean, play uh, on, he'll play on Sundays. It's exciting, no and, I, and I don't think my gut feeling is I don't think Campbell's going anywhere. I think he likes where he's at. Yeah, I think I he agree. has the support, and money's not everything. No. If it was, he would have taken that job yeah. in the NFL a couple of years ago. Yep. So, uh, anyway, um, another thing, a couple of things I saw this week that I think we, we probably need to talk about. And uh, uh, one of them I'm going to hit real quick. And uh, I don't know if you saw this. There's a candidate running for governor in New York, and he's a defund the police guy. Defund the police. <laughs> and he's living on an army base with armed guards yeah. protecting him. Yeah. It's part yeah. of because he, he has a job in the city and it. And, it, and I guess people are really upset about it because they're saying, talk about being two-faced and, yeah. you know, do as I say, not as I do. And they're all over him. But that defund the police movement's, you know, it's dying anyway. Yeah, I, you know, I, that defund the police movement that uh, some of the idiots in this country seized upon and pushed, that's dying. That's going by the wayside. The people that were pushing it the hardest are now trying to rehire cops. Well, it's done its damage. It has done damage. Well, it's, yeah, it's damaged you know, the profession. It cost people their lives, cost property. Uh, it's hurt recruiting. It's hurt morale in departments. You know, I mean, look at all the probably good good chiefs that have, have resigned. That They had that gal out in uh, uh, Portland, I think, who yep. left, resigned, and she was a hell of an officer, and they lost her. And now, you know what? People are having trouble hiring people, so good luck with that. I'll tell you what we need to do, French. You know, you and I are kind of entrepreneurs. We're always looking at what oh, to do yeah, next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you tell me where I'm going wrong here. Okay. You and I need to charter a couple of big jet airliners right. and pack them full of people to go shopping for free at San Francisco. Oh, there you go. <laughs> well, that's the other thing I want to talk about. You know, we saw that. Now, the sad thing is you had an officer killed over the weekend. Uh-huh. Those ass clowns went in. They they hit that store. I think it was in San Francisco. Yep. That, that retired yep. police officer and they, and they killed him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I got a real simple way to handle this. And before I was on the police department, I worked in, I think you wear this, I was I worked at a nice little establishment called So's Your Mother's. Yeah, a, I, I remember you. I remember we're, you. We, we, I in security there. Yeah, and uh, it held about three hundred people. Uh-huh. And you got three hundred people that were uh, good people, but you know they they uh, got their drink rowdy, on a and they crowd. a little rowdy. Yeah. And I'll tell you how we handled. We had a police off duty policeman there. I remember that. So we had a guy by the name of John Thompson. Yep. So he stood there and we did all the muscle. So we had about four guys that were all about six six and six two and and all weightlifters and that. And when there was a problem, we handled the muscle piece. John put the cuffs on him at the end. He didn't yeah. have to fight. We protected him. Yeah. Exactly. And then we took him in in squad cars when we when they called. It yeah. was him calling for a wagon. It wasn't uh-huh. calling for a car to come investigate. So it didn't go against the bar. But you handle that. Best Buy, for instance, would put about four big security guys in there and an off-duty police officer and use the same theory. Says, you can come in, but you ain't going to leave. 
and we're going to take you to jail. And you and most and if you see these guys that are robbing these places doing it, they're all a bunch of skinny, they're hoodlums, uh, a- Antifa type people. Yeah. And that that's how you handle that. Aside from locking your stuff up and pull their masks, their ski masks off too, <laughs> so they can get a good profile on the video cam. Now I'll tell you one thing that we're that we're not seeing. You know, uh, I was out to Rangemasters today, and those mm-hmm. guys are all got guns. And there's nobody crashing Rangemasters no, going no, in to steal no. anything. They're not going into that no. do that because no, they, um, they won't mess with people who actually fight back. The only reason the cops won't fight back because they're under orders from City Hall not to in some of these liberal cities. And if they take action, they get lampooned with the accusation of being racist. Well, yeah, it's the it, perfect storm for these it, goofy it's a, liberals. It's the same thing we used that earlier this year. The BLM guys that were blocking the streets. Well, they're not blocking any union halls, and they sure as hell aren't going up blocking Heinz Field, stopping the Steeler fans from going in. Yeah. So you know they pick their targets what they want to do, and it's it, it, it's it's gutless. Uh, I think they need to start charging these people. I I did see where they they are. They got some Home Depot guy. They pulled us in Home Depot. We're stealing tools and yeah, sledgehammers to go yeah. break into stuff. Do smash and grabs yeah, at other places. Yeah, I. Th- but I did see they got some people in their charge, and they need to make this more of a, um, a robbery thing than a. We just need to get back to law and order. We're a country of laws, and and if you if you get involved in this type of crazy activity, expect to go to jail, and if you fight the police, expect to get your ass kicked. That that just cures this, and I know the liberals hate hearing that, but we're a country of laws. Well, we have to be. And uh, protect your property. And, and, again, you can't shoot somebody for stealing, you know, a power saw. But, boy, you can sure stop them. And if you have, if, if you use the combination, if these stores use the combination of an off-duty officer there that protects them, and then you have some, some security there to help them physically handle it, that's a great combination. And if they do send somebody to jail, or if, one of the, if that protester gets hurt from a business standpoint, he's also being charged by the city. So, his attorney's got to fight the city first before he can get to you. And the, the final piece to that is legislators in Republican conservative cities need to write laws that right. give these uh, cities and police officers immunity from these petty lawsuits and petty charges because until that happens, the cops are fearful of being harpooned. Well, in the days of just issuing these guys citations, I did see, where was it? I think it was in California someplace. They caught a guy in a car. He was trying to leave, and they were busting the windows out of the car to get him. You start, and, and these, all the guys that were doing these robberies, the cars that I saw they were getting in, they were all nice cars. Yeah. I mean, these yeah. aren't indigent, no. poor people. These no. are, I think these are a bunch just, of college-age kids or, or they're that opportunists. age. They're opportunists. You know, yeah. I, I've maintained this all along. You know what would stop these crowds too, Roger? would be to take a derivative of the poison ivy plant called Eurish Royal. It's that oil that causes you to itch. Right. And put that with some sort of maple syrup compound and spray that at these people when they're riding. Well, yeah, if I, if I own it, that's the other thing. Uh, the the bull moose, the moose repellent. Yeah. Start giving them a, bowl, a little blast Squirt of that. Squirt them, layer them down with poison ivy oil, and I'll guarantee you for the following week, they won't be interested in doing anything except and Scratching itching. their ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm all with you on that, my friend. I got it. Um, Bob, I think we, we, we had a good week um, on our officers down, but we, we still lost some. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's go into that real quick. As you know, every show we always uh, dedicate to fallen officers that have, we've lost, and uh, it's, it's a hard deal, and, and uh, we try to recognize them. We lost one. One, and uh, it was Deputy uh, Sheriff Frank Ramirez, Jr. 
he was with the Independence County Sheriff in uh, Arkansas. His end of watch was November 18th, 2021. He was in a car accident. He was responding to a call, lost lost control of the car, went off the road and, mm-hmm. and perished. So we hate to lose that. But that was the only one, of course. We always lose our, our COVID folks, and there's so many of them we can't talk about. You know, the COVID's the biggest killer. Matter of fact, I've got some numbers here just quickly. Current year to date, we've lost 431 officers in the United States. Uh, those were officers killed in line of duty. Mm-hmm. Out of those 431, 285 of them, out of 431, 285 are COVID deaths. So yeah. that's a big, large chunk. The two months that uh, uh, were our worst months that we lost officers, we lost 82 in September, and we lost 80 in August of this year. So to date, we're at 431. And not to be remiss, uh, we lost 21 K-9 officers here to date. So. Love the dogs, love the officers, and uh, pray for the families and the of the fallen officers. Uh, it's, it's a it's a tough thing to weather. Next Monday, I go in for my booster shot, Roger, for F- the Pfizer COVID. I mean, I I I'm all about choice. I'm all about freedom. But for me, you know, if it can give me an edge on this horrible crap i'm in that's just the bottom well line I, yeah i'm gonna get that too i've i've got the two i'm gonna get the third one moving on i want to talk a little bit about today's show and upcoming shows uh we've got two great guests uh coming on today we've got dave Mosier from range masters coming in mm-hmm. he's going to talk a little guns going to talk a little little range going to talk a little about everything over there that they have uh, it's a hell of a facility you got to stop by i was out there today and very impressive and then uh later on we've got Dana Winger, the top cop of Des Moines coming on. He'll mm-hmm. be on talking about a whole lot, list of things. Uh, the next two weeks, uh, we've got some people coming on. We've got... Uh, John Quinn will be in from Milwaukee, the chief of police there. Yeah. The following week, we've got Chris Scott, West Des Moines police chief. i got to get him in here because this is... The bunker is in the West Des Moines zone in, ca- <laughs> in case, you know, you never know what, <laughs> what, both, what could all, happen. All three of these guys... Dana, Chris Scott, and uh, the Waukee Chief, they're all great guys. Well, They're good people, and they're good chiefs. We're excited about that. I think that's going to be a trend for our show that I want to tell our, our listeners. You know, we're going to try every week to get a lead law enforcement officer, a chief, a sheriff on, to come on, give us their, their spin about what's going on, what their department's doing different. Just get that in combined with other folks. Uh, I think it's a real good show. We've got some things in the future that I'm not going to go into, but I will tell our listeners this. We have some some big things coming in the future here that's going to affect the show, potentially the location of the show. I'm kind of excited, so I want everybody to stay tuned, and uh, I think we can tell Bob that if we decide to move the show, we can take him with us. Yeah, Bob, you're in, right? You're, you're in on that, Bob. Oh, yes! <laughs> okay, with that, I am going to go to this week's shout-outs. So I want to give a shout-out to uh, Jerry McElderly, Robin Conklin, Justin Courtney. Uh, Justin was asking me some stuff today. He was online on our Facebook. Greg Cones, Lee Knoll. Uh, Jake Hedgecock, he's the uh, Prairie Meadows head of security out there. Oh, runs okay. That. Good yeah. guy. I think he runs a great operation. Uh, Cody Stiles, Linda Powers, Gary Michael, uh, Carly Michael, Mark Hansen. Mark is the Dallas County supervisor out in, out there. Great guy. He's a supporter. Yeah. He's a friend of Dana's, and he's yeah. a friend of this program. Yep. Uh, Jimmy Wright, 
Yep. You know, do you know Jimmy? I do. Star 102.5. Yeah. He's the guy. Yep. He's the guy. He's a listener. He follows us. This is a one dear to my heart, my ex-wife, Angie Corder. I got. I told her I'd give her a shout out. <laughs> you know, she's a pistol. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> uh, she, even though she's my ex, I still, uh, yeah. still love her. Uh, the Nesbitt boys, Mike uh, Nesbitt Sr., Michael Jr., mm -hmm. and his lovely wife, Leslie. Leslie's a uh, prosecutor in the, for Sarcone. Oh. She does down there. Okay. Criminals. Does, yeah. Been done. It does a great job. Yep. And uh, lastly, uh, Fred Nesbitt. Uh, they, they were the Buzz, Budweiser people. Yeah, some of my uh, my graduating classmates from class of 1975 at Valley, they tune in every week. Art Kirk, you know, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Greg Sapansky, oh, Jay yeah. Lewis, uh, you know, on and on and on. They're just checking to see if you're in jail yet. That's what they're doing. <laughs> they, I, oh, <laughs> or one therapy. of them, I won't mention his name. He got put in. You and I've been there, Roger. Facebook oh, yeah, yeah. jail for uh, 24 oh, hours. Oh no, yeah, yeah. Well, the Facebook will get you every time, and uh, yeah. you know, I'm considered the habitual violator. They, yeah, uh, you look they, like a desperado. French. Uh, they get me. I've got the orange jumpsuit ready to go, and <laughs> foam, they I, foam I, slippers. I'm I, I'm on the deal where I get caught. It's thirty days, so oh, I can be so on I'm I like can that. be on Facebook like how once many times? Year, like twelve times to, a year. How many times do you have to go to jail for you get put on thirty days? Oh, notice? I don't know. It was it was quite a few. Yeah, <laughs> it was okay. quite a few. You know, I was coming in the silly thing. Well, we won't even go there. Bob, I'm going to tell you what we need to talk about right now. And you know where we need to go. And now it's time for Ass Hats of the Week. It's time. Yes, it's true. He's a real ass. <laughs> David, <laughs> you got one today? Oh, How about you do? I've, the, I've just got to do it again generically. I, I, I'm a news hound. I, I, I watch all the news channels. I even turn on CNN mm. and MSNBC when I need a good laugh. And uh, watching... These jokers, these elected jokers in California allow all this shoplifting and vandalism and pilfering, and you can steal up to $1,000 worth of merchandise before we'll file charges. And even if we do, we spank you on the hands and let you go to do it again. People, you got you to gotta stop this crazy BS. This, this, we're a country of laws, and we cannot allow this to happen because this shit show is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, and you're going to think you wish you'd have done something about it when it's at your storefront or your front door where you live. There's no stopping this. Well, I think as we see uh, a turnover in elected officials, and I think people, I think there's a turnaround. People are starting to get sick of this, you know. If you're weak, if you look the other way, then people are going to take advantage of you. Mm -hmm. If you stand up for yourself and, and quit worrying about being accused of being a racist or a, whatever it is, good things will happen. Mm -hmm. Well, my uh, asset, it's not law enforcement related. It's, it's kind of back in the sports world a little mm -hmm. bit. Uh, I don't know if you saw it this weekend. LeBron James, the king, and I'm not a huge I, – I don't hate LeBron because I think he does some good things. The, you know, the NBA supports the BLM, which I don't. So, anyway, he uh, was playing a game in Indiana – and he had two people courtside there in those on the courtside seats, and they were running their mouth, and they said some pretty inappropriate things to him. And and whether I hate him or not, when you're a fan, there's just certain thing, lines you don't cross. You don't talk about kids' family. You don't talk about sexual stuff. I mean, it, it was vulgar, mm -hmm. and he had them removed from the from the from the game. And and I kind of have a little experience this because I have seats up at Iowa State, uh -huh. and I sit in there. And when you're sitting that close, they can hear every word you say. And when you start talking about somebody's family member, I remember uh, not too long ago, it wasn't Iowa State, it was another college, 
a play was playing, and he had lost his father. The student section at the opposing school started chanting stuff. It was just really inappropriate. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, you, whether you're whether you're in pros or whether you're in kids, you ran a league mm-hmm. with kids and yeah. and parents, and I'm yeah. sure you guys had we, to shut we, some. We of that stepped down. in not only on parents, we we cracked the whip on coaches that violated our own rules regulations. The way they talk to players and stuff. The, the, the way they talk to referees. The way they talk to uh, sometimes their their children's some of the worst offenders in youth sports are the dad coaches who have sons on the team uh-huh. who they think aren't meeting their expectations or they're trying to live their lives through their children. Uh, we've counseled more than more than probably a dozen of our own coaches over the years to knock it off by they do things like grab their kid by the shoulder pads and pick them up and throw them towards the bleachers and, uh, you know. well the the these pro athletes uh, you know at these these venues these people that pay money for these tickets they think they can say whatever and you just can't do it no. I, we had some people up at, at iowa state one year and it's been a couple of years ago that we'd given tickets to to our seats and he got up and he was jumping up and down getting the referee's face and the security had come on sit him down and pretty soon the following week a letter went out to everybody who had tickets there says we have any more issues we're gonna jerk your tickets mm-hmm. consequently he never got invited back no, no. but the reason uh, the reason i have lebron as in as my ass clown is the following next week the very next not next week like within two days he's in trouble with the nba because he sank a three a three-pointer and he comes running down the court grabbing his crotch and making <laughs> obscene gestures. Here's a guy who got offended just a few yeah, days ago, yeah. and he turns around and he does this, and now they're suspending him. I think they're giving him time off. What a, You know, if you're going to be offended, be offended because of the reason. There's kids in those stands. They're seeing this, and there's no need to be doing that. It's now, you know, another thing a lot, a lot of these professional athletes do, they start crusading politically, yeah. and they start cutting down cops. Well, unless you're a police officer or the family members of a police officer, you don't know anything about police work because you've never walked a step in the shoes of a cop. Shut up because you sound like an ignoramus when you run your chops. about. That's one thing, Roger, nobody can ever say you and I get involved in. You know, we see a story. We say, you know, Roger, I think that doctor, if he might have prescribed a few more of this and that or maybe put an extra stitch or two in that guy, he might have survived that operation. We don't do that. You know why? Because we're not doctors, and well, we're not going to stick our nose where it doesn't belong. And, and I'll tell you, and we're gonna, I'm going to talk to Dana a little bit about this today. You know, being a police chief in today's world, I don't think the public has one clue no. what, a, what a chief of police has to do. Not only does he have to be a law enforcement guy, he's got to be a good manager. He's managing two, 300 people. Mm-hmm. He's got to manage uh, his Budget. managers. Budget. Budgets. He's got to deal with political. Yep. You know, and in some cases, you have to work for somebody who doesn't even who, who's turned around vocally and said they want to fire you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, it, it, it is such a it's it's so much harder than the private sector. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're you're there's things that go on to a chief that would never go on in a private sector. You'd be out so fast and make your head spin. And, you know, you think about the, the dynamics of our, our businesses. You know, there are sales jobs where people go into sales and they make way more than the chief of police. And they don't have any of the responsibilities. And, and guess what, folks? Come the holidays... Come Christmas, you think police officers are getting bonuses? You think they're getting turkeys no. to take home? No. They're getting nothing. They're lucky if they get a Christmas card and a thank you from the city they work for. Yet you're all walking home with big your year in bonus, your big Christmas party. Uh-huh. They're getting nothing. They're getting nothing. Remember they they got our bonus, Roger. You were still there at Des Moines PD when uh, some 
some idiot politician caught wind of the fact that Owen Chris was given a, a ham at Christmas. Do you remember that? Uh, we lost our hams. <laughs> yeah, I got their bonus. I'll tell you right now. But in, but anyway, yeah. uh, the, I, that's a whole other thing. We'll get into that yeah. in a little bit. Um, right now, I think, uh, Dave, I want to uh, bring on our next guest. Okay, let's do it. Um, folks, he, uh, he I should do that whole deal we did for uh, <laughs> with the, 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 the bull sound. But anyway, all right, ladies and gentlemen, he hails from Clive, Iowa. He's the manager owner of Range Masters. He goes at about six foot. I don't know. I don't know. Two? Uh, two, 200 pounds. He's known as Naked Dave. We're here. No. He's packing heat. He's folks. packing heat. That's right. <laughs> he's, uh, but he's good he's enough to live his head. He's, yeah. So, anyway, Dave Mosier. Dave, thank you for coming on today. Hey, thanks for having me here. Guys. I think we, we usually don't abuse our guests so bad, but once in a while we, <laughs> we get them and, and do stuff. Uh, tell us about Range Masters. Tell our, tell our people who don't know it. Hey, we're a uh, commercial and law enforcement supply house. We've uh, an indoor gun range, 14 lanes, uh, 5,000 square foot of retail, 2,000 square foot of classrooms, full-time gunsmiths. Uh, we've really got it all under one roof. Do you? Uh, how long have you been there open? Uh, You've been there a while. 2016 in our current location. 2016. Now, you have there. classes there. That's because you... You offer for first-time gun buyers and owners, and giving a teach them how to. Yeah, our uh, our instructors are all we we uh, we do it all. Like we've got, we can do anything from very basic instruction up to weapon tactical type weapon retention, all that kind that's of thing. Correct. So you so get you get a lot. And how many lanes do you have to shoot in out there? How uh, big you range? We've got fourteen lanes. Fourteen lanes. That's pretty good size. I think that that's similar to. Des Moines, the academy out there, didn't they have about, about that? I mean, yeah, they've remodeled it. I don't know if they have that many lanes, but I had to stop Roger years ago. He had this idea to combine a bowling alley with a shooting range. I just don't think. Yeah, I wanted you down changing pens. Hey, I blow Yeah. Similar distance. Similar yeah. distance, yeah. yeah. But a little different. A little different. In, in pens are different. So you, so you guys got, you have guns, you have uh, full Full line of guns. Yep. Guns, uh, ammo. Long guns, short guns, the whole nine yards, ammo. Yep. Uh, you've got uniforms. You've got vests. You've got, I mean, everything a law enforcement officer would need. That is correct. And you get a lot of law enforcement officers out there. Yes. You? We service latest count, which was a few months ago, like 84 different departments. We'll come out there and do that. Mm-hmm. And they'll send their guys out to qualify or send their gun guy out to work with you guys. Or? Correct. Or measuring armor, uniforms, whatever it may be. Yeah, wow. I got a question for you. Cause I, I have this question posed to me frequently. If, if some citizen wants to bring their handguns or rifles or shotguns up to you, can you guys for us as a service, clean them? Absolutely. Them? Okay. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people aren't comfortable doing that. They just don't really know the internal nomenclature of a pistol or automatic or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I always ask, have people ask me, hey, where can I get my guns clean? So they could yeah. they can bring their weapons they just bring them and drop them off and Absolutely. turn around a day and, or two? You know, once it's once it's done, we'll even kind of walk them through the, uh, the process. Cool. Now, now, the holidays are coming on. Do you anticipate, do you get some holiday sales, people buying guns for their loved ones or buying them maybe time on the range, those yeah. kind of things? The last couple of years have been wild, as we know, around the world, mm-hmm. uh, as far well, especially the gun industry. Right, right. It's been pretty big. Have the new gun laws affected you in a positive way? I think so. I mean, a lot of people that 
I guess didn't want to go through the permitting process that Iowa used to have or now now getting in guns and and, and, and do, do in your personal opinion do you think they're the everybody buying a gun is there anybody you go you really need to know how to use that gun you know we've got the right to refuse just, just like a bar or anyone else if uh we have really yet to invoke that right but Somebody comes in there looking a little goofy or they've been drinking a little bit. You're not selling them a gun. Correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They got to come back another day. Is it, uh, is what it, was, uh, what was in short supply here for a while? Was it ammunition was t- tough to get? Everything was, but ammo was especially hard. So is things loosened up for you? Is it? Yeah. We're super lucky with our relationships. We're direct with mm-hmm. most manufacturers mm-hmm. and the manufacturers keep, seem to keep the ranges full first. Okay. What is the number one seller you got? Is it it's a handgun, obviously, probably. Um, I would say yeah, and it it varies wildly. I mean, pretty much anything Glock is always up there. There's a couple of new guns currently from Sig and Smith and Wesson and Springfield that are pretty high up there. Okay. Carry guns would be the everything would fall into that category. You guys sell shotguns too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't know why. I just like shotguns. I, I'm not a hunter. I just think shotguns are cool just because of the way they look, the way they're finished. Uh-huh. You know, I've always liked shotguns. And, sure. Uh, when, I'm go- when I go down to my recreation property down by Lake Rathbun, my best buddy is always on my hip, Gaston Glock. Are you uh, familiar with him? I've, I've met him <laughs> a few times. <laughs> now, 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 here's something Dave always comments, and I'm, I'm curious on your take on this. Have you ever locked the store up? And had those guns try to get out and walk down the street and kill somebody themselves. Not that I'm aware of. No, no guns have actually tried to run out the door and on their own and kill anybody. Not on their own, no. You ever hear this goofy, goofy belief <laughs> that more guns uh, are the reason why crime is high? More guns. That's so crazy. It's pretty that's, ludicrous. That's 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 the opinions and thoughts of a moron. Mm-hmm. I told Roger here a while back. I I did an experiment. I I've got a few handguns for my police career. I went over to the kitchen counter and I laid a Glock forty five down on the counter. And it, you know, if you watch these liberal news uh, shows, you, you that's a dangerous weapon that's going to get up and go kill somebody. I left it there for a while. Didn't move. So I thought, well, buying into the, maybe I'll buy into this more guns killed, you know. So I put another Glock there. And then I put a Beretta down there. And by the time you know it, I had a stack of guns, and not one of those guns got up and killed anybody. No. Well, you know, the liberals, they don't know anything about no. guns. They're scared of them. But I'll tell you what, they take all your guns, you'll wish you had them. Yeah. You know, I, I it's the, the anti-gun group and, and – uh, but uh, we have a strong community here. A lot of people like guns, and it's pretty po. Yeah, we have a great community, and uh, you'd be surprised at the amount of uh, people who may be on the other side of the aisle politically over the last two years who have come in. They've kind of switched their... And purchased firearms. And honestly, the other side of the aisle, they want to do the training. They want to do all of the things that go along with being a responsible gun owner. Now, being a gun guy, and uh, I got to ask you something. What was your take? What's your opinion on the Kyle Rittenhouse deal where he had a gun, and I think he bought it in Illinois and transported it over there, which was his right, I I think. You know, I I didn't follow it that closely, Mm -hmm. but I read a substantial amount afterwards, and it doesn't seem like he did anything 
it, even owning it, transporting it, it seemed like it was all legit because they wouldn't have dropped the charges on an underage kid having a gun. No. Now I can it, I can buy a gun from you and I can transport it over anywhere I want. Cross lines, right? Within reason. There there's there are I mean, I'm not gonna buy like fifty along guns. No, and, I mean but, uh different states have different rules. Right, right. The carry permit, I've looked at that because I go down to Texas once in a while and I like taking my gun. All the states allow me to do it if I drive. I mean, there's not a lot of states that don't allow it, but you should research it, obviously. Sure. Well, you guys as retiring law enforcement have H.R. 218, which is different than just having mm-hmm. a standard carry permit. Yep. You guys are exempt from, you can carry a firearm in Illinois where I can't without an Illinois permit. No, I got to be, be honest with you. I didn't know that. I did. Yeah, I, I carry mine all the time when I'm. If I went to, if I went to yeah. Chicago, I'd be a good idea. Correct. You you'll, know. you'll be one of the few legally carrying in Cook County. Yeah. Well, less guns over there equivalent to more homicides for right. some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's how that 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 shakes. The exact out. opposite of what they tell us on the. News. I got a question for you because I've kind of lost track of this. I've been retired eight years. If a person wants to come in and, and just buy a handgun, what is the is there a waiting period anymore? Or do they have to? get a permit to purchase application. How, how does all that happen? So um, July of this year, the law has changed and there's no longer a requirement for a permit. Mm-hmm. We do a NICS check, an FBI background check in store mm-hmm. at the time of purchase. That can come back instantly and it can come back up to seven days later. Uh-huh. And then, you know, if it comes back instantly and it tells us, okay, then you can walk out the door with it. With whatever you want to purchase. For the most part. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, do you have a, do you run specials out there? Does that go well, on? Holiday specials? Or uh, everything's on sale all the time. Now, do you have a, a lot of our people are law enforcement, current mm-hmm. and past. Do you have a, a special thing for those folks? We certainly do. Um, most people refer to it as blue label because that's the most commonly known one. Glock has a blue label program uh-huh. that are discounted guns for so law enforcement. it's more through the manufacturer than it is you or well you have to get them for me okay manufacturers will select certain dealers and areas uh-huh. and allow them to sell they sell us the guns at a discount we sell them to pds and uh what individual what, officers what kind of discount are you talking about 20 percent um it can be as it's generally in that 20 to 35% discount. 20. Okay. And then normal people can buy stuff, and I'm sure you're running different things out there. Correct. Yeah. Any, any holiday specials that over the next month you're running? That you yeah, we've got a membership sale. There are uh, several makes and models that we're overstocked on that we're blowing out pretty good. When you um, say membership sale, that's to the range? Correct. So mm-hmm. I sign up and I get a, a month deal. Is it Do I get to come out and shoot as much as I want, or how's that work? Absolutely. Is that mm-hmm. right? Well, you guys as bad carry, a shot as I am, I need to get probably be out there a lot. Yes. You carry Roger's <laughs> favorite brand of handgun. It, it was called Daisy, if I if I remember. Yeah, he's right. a, I'll he's get a community. I want to I'm going to take him out the range and have an accident with you. <laughs> We're gonna, Dave, go down and change that, would you? Hey, we, <laughs> We're going to have an accident. Our gunsmiths are also really talented Cerakote guys. We can make anything look like a BB gun. Oh, there you go. You know what? What I'm I'm seeing, and I know you you will instantly relate to this. I'm going to get your opinions on something. A lot of the gun manufacturers are manufacturing BB and pellet pistols that look just like the real McCoy. I'm not sure if I like that. I, yeah, you know, that's who who can spray paint an orange tip. Yeah, you know? some of them don't even have those. You know, I've I've seen some that don't, and and Glock's making some. 
Mm-hmm. Since when does a nine-year-old or an eight-year-old need a gun that looks just like a gun? Yeah. Exactly. It's, I mean, we don't sell them, but we do get phone calls about them on the regular. Yeah. And uh, it's, I don't think it's the greatest idea in the world. Now, do you take trade-ins? Mm-hmm. So a guy has a gun, he wants to bring it in, upgrade. Uh, does that usually work out pretty well? I mean, yeah. And yeah. Then, and so you sell used guns too? Correct. Okay. Buy, okay. sell, trade. We do estates for, you know, we've done estates for up to 1,500 firearms before. Wow. A, I got a question for you. Is a pre-Brady Bill Beretta 92 SF, is that still a desirable gun? Is it collectible? Um, what's the scoop on that weapon? The Brady Bill expired a few years ago. Yeah, it, so well, it was. It's, yeah, it had it holds sixteen rounds, one in the chamber, and I think fifteen in the magazine. The magazines are desirable for people in like Connecticut and New York, uh-huh. I believe they're allowed. But Is that the, gun's still holding its value. The, the Beretta. 92? They're still making them. Yeah. Okay. Right. They're still mm-hmm. making them. I guess. So, no. Yeah. I, what I, the heck? So, okay. uh, where are you located? Uh, we are in Clive, Iowa. Okay. 10 520 Hickman Road, just west of the Woodsmith store. Okay, and cool. uh, your hours? We are 10 to 7 during the week, 9 to 6 on Saturdays, and noon to 5 on Sundays. Okay, We're there always, seven days always a week. somebody there. And you, you, How many people do you have in the store usually? Uh, employees? Yeah. Anywhere from 6 to 10. Somebody wants to come out there, they want to take uh, a family member, and you can counsel them, tell them what's the best gun for them. Because all guns are, uh, you know, some are some are better for other people. You know, we are more of a fit of it than we are brand loyal. Yeah, we'll yeah. Okay. Guide you to what you know, I'm big you on. Best. I'm big on gun safety. Um, you know, I just talked to a friend of Roger and I here a while back. He bought a automatic handgun, and he took the cartridge, the cartridge, the magazine out of the handle, and he thought that had disabled the weapon. He squeezed the trigger. They're still around in the chamber. Mm-hmm. Fired a hole into his mattress. Uh-oh. And so it's funny, but it could be deadly serious mm-hmm. if somebody had been laying there in bed. So I would encourage people to give you guys a call and have pros walk you through how to safely use a handgun or any kind of weapon. That's key to uh, you know minimizing accidents. Even if you have no intention of ever owning one, mm-hmm. it is a fantastic idea to take a hour long safety class just to know how to handle one. How, how what do you usually, what's that usually run cost somebody? Uh, just a basic safety class, I think, is fifty sixty bucks. Oh, well, come out there, well worth it. Well, get, worth get it. certified and know how know what you're doing. And if you own a gun, certainly you should do that. I mean, um, even refresh yourself and go out there and use it. How often? Do you think somebody who has a gun should be out in that range using it, uh, practicing? You know, this last year it's been tough because everything's been so expensive. Mm-hmm. But prices are starting to come back down on ammo and mm-hmm. accessories and the firearms themselves. I I mean, it's a perishable skill like anything else. If, you know, I, I'd i like to see people every 30 days, you know, at least come out and fire 50 rounds. I tell you, I, I see these people in, in stores uh, with guns on their hips with zero weapon retentions in their mind. They're mm-hmm. bending over the gun sticking out here. I love you know, those that, people. Oh, I'm just thinking, how stupid can you be? Somebody's just going to grab that gun and take it from them. Yeah, but I mean, they're the they're the first target. 
Yeah, probably. They're the hey, they'll give themselves away. I can uh, do what I need to do. Oh, he. I mean, it's just well, they're, it, they're it's not scary. thinking about it's a little scary. the safety features built into law enforcement duty holsters. No, they're you not. Know, you no, can't just no. jerk one of them out because there's no. safety things built into them. Hey, call them a bullet sponge. There yeah. you go. So the uh, website, where's that at? What's uh, that? Rangemastersia.com. Okay, I want to tell everybody we'll have a, a link up on our Facebook page for mm-hmm. that. You have a Facebook page too? We certainly do. Rangemastersia. Okay, okay. We'll be able to get that. And the holiday specials, go out and see these guys because I think they, you've got some sales going on and uh, might make a nice gift. I mean, what can a guy get a, an, an, average, an average gun for? Oh, man. Just a, um, just a good meat and potatoes, protect your home, have your house. Um, we've got stuff for almost every budget. I mean, mm-hmm. I've there's being a gun store owner, there's a little bit of... I got to put a little bit of myself into it too. And I, we don't sell the stuff you've never heard of that. I, I got to know that if somebody needs that, it's going to go boom when they need it. Right. Right. So we, we start at probably th- high two hundreds mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll take as much as you want to give us. Not you know? a bad gift for people. Not a bad mm-hmm. gift. It's responsible gun ownership and training people. That's the key to properly owning a firearm if you're going to buy somebody a gun go the extra step and and add a class to it exactly give, give them the class give them the gun and say by the way here's a class go out and take it and send them out there and, and i'll bet you guys Bingo. can do a package we, for them would we make all know sense. that the worst mistake we can make is trying to train our significant others or our kids oh, yeah. Yeah, or our parents, especially my last They don't listen to you in any <laughs> other aspect <laughs> best of life. Too. Yeah, <laughs> hand it over to guys like us. Uh, last day. question: Do you, do your customers shoot at circle targets? Is that what they shoot at? Because in law enforcement, we shoot at silhouette targets. We've got both available. Okay. Now, do you have do you have a uh, range out there? And I'll ask you. I, he said last. I'm going second to last. Um, do you have a course uh, that is a combat type course? We do. Mm-hmm. That's for your law enforcement, or can anybody use that? Uh, it's for both, but uh, we do a lot for LE. We do a lot of training with smaller agencies, but at the same time, um, it's a semi-redacted course. Okay. But if somebody has started from square one and they've shown they're capable, we will train them. Now, what does that involve? Walking through shooting, or is it on a screen that pop, things pop? Up? Uh, no, it's live fire. Live fire. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Well, that's kind of interesting. Some people might want to do that. Might I mean, it's more than just going out. You can do more than just go out there and shoot at targets, guys. There's a ton right. of stuff. So, yep. Well, I want to thank Great you for job. coming on. Yeah. I mean, this was informative. I want to get you back on here. Um, I think our people will ask some more questions, and I'll forward them to you uh, for sure. as we get them. Um, Dave? No, I've, you've been very informative, and I know we asked a lot of questions that a lot of average folks don't know where to channel them to. So I appreciate you coming in and talking to us. And our law enforcement, our law enforcement folks go out and see them. Go see them. You know, uh, they got a great range, great facilities out there. Yep. Yep. Hey, good job. Thanks for having me guys. Every time I come back, I'm wearing one less piece of clothing. Oh, naked Dave. Naked Dave. Naked Dave. Yeah. Hey, I got both the you don't think that's When you finally come in on your birthday, this could suit, be a little, Roger Solo. We're gonna get pictures of this. Yeah. Oh my god. Roger will be here by himself, Dave, when you come in. <laughs> All right, guys. All right. See ya. Dave, our next guest coming on is somebody that I'm real excited about. I'm glad he's here. He's Des Moines' top cop. 
you know him as well as I do. Yeah, he uh, he actually worked for me when he was a rookie officer in the jail, and I could tell even back then he was destined for greatness, and then I ended up working for him in the detective bureau, and uh, you just won't find a nicer, more competent guy than Des Moines Chief of Police Dana Winger. Well, I know he's our he's my friend. Dana, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I appreciate what you guys uh, represent on this show. Well, you, uh, Thank you. you uh, certainly, uh, you're our kind of guy. Uh, you Not only are you... Uh, my, you know, my Des Moines chief, you're my friend, and uh, I appreciate that, and I, I won't hold uh, you being a Hawkeye fan against you. Uh, <laughs> you know. Everybody, everyone has their cross. Everybody has their. You better keep your fingers crossed, Dana, coming up this weekend. It's going to be a tough one for them. Now, what do they got, Michigan? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, Dana, uh, tell us about how long. You've been down at that department now for how long? I'm on uh, I'm on year 30, so uh, actually in three in three days uh, it'll be 30 years uh, cool. December 2nd. So and, and uh, seen seen a lot 30 years. How uh, and you've been chief for how long? Uh, it'll be uh, seven years in February. Is it? So it kind of kind of time kind of flew past, but uh, you know it's it's been a heck of a ride. My God, uh, you wear it well, my friend. You look young. You look good. The uh, it, 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 Nothing creeped up on you. You've been down there so long. But uh, were there any surprises when you took that over? Anything that, you know, you didn't expect? Or was it pretty much what you thought it'd be? You know, we, uh, you know, being there that long, uh, you know, as, as you both well know. I mean, you know, you know the institution. Uh, you know the players uh, in the institution. And you, you know going in that, uh, that you're sitting in the in the big chair, but you have one of the best police departments in the country. It's always been like that. Right. Uh, I think what what kind of set me back was, you know, that uh, you know a year in, you know, it, it was tragedy after tragedy, un, unthinkable tragedy. That uh, you know, as a as a as a department family, we had to overcome. And uh, you know, when you're trying to you know, be progressive and move forward. Uh, you have to take time to, you know, take a step back and realize what's really important, you know, and that's, uh, you know, and that's your, your officers. Uh, you know, we didn't come out of the gate very well. Let's just say that. Well, it, it was such a tragedy. And, and I don't know any department that, that suffered more than yours that I can think of that had him right after another like that. You know, Dane, I, I know you well. You're a very humble guy. I could see that those... Uh, loss of officer lives tore your heart up, but uh, and I know you're not looking for praise, but I'm going to tell you, you were the best person for that chief of police job during that time period because your leadership uh, was unbelievable when people, when they were just devastated by the loss of those cops. So uh, glad you were there, my friend. Has the department rebounded from that? I mean, you're never going to get over it, but has it uh, were there lessons to be learned or anything like that from a tactic? Yeah, I think there was. I think there was a lot of things we learned out of that. Uh, you know, have we completely rebounded? You know, we probably never will. I mean, but but you take those small steps forward. Where you know, when it when when it first happens, you're wearing it. I mean, you're wearing it every right. day, mm-hmm. uh, and it and it's and it's heavy. Uh, and then you know, then you're dragging it behind you. And then eventually you're carrying it with you. And I think that's where we're at now, where we're carrying it with us. Uh, we know what happened. Uh, you know, we, we, we honor those fallen officers. Uh, we respect them. Uh, 
we try and take care of their families, uh, but we know we have to move forward as an organization. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I just don't know. I mean, I don't think the public realizes, and I told somebody this today, what, how heavy this tragedy weighs. It just envision you had a business that uh, you worked at and you lost three people that worked there, what that would do to some of these businesses in the private sector. And I, I kind of dovetails to me when I talk about chief of police positions. I don't think the public really has a clue to what a, a chief goes through, how difficult their job is compared to the private sector. And, uh, you know, well, I, can, I can, I can give you a, a, a quick example. Uh, you know, the tragedy that we went through, if that happens in the private sector, they probably shut the doors. They tell everybody to take a week off, right. uh, you know, be with your family, get your head straight. Uh, but in our business, we can't do that. I mean, we, you know, we have, we have tragedy, you know, at, at one thirty in the morning, uh, but at six o'clock, there's a roll call, and there's a whole other batch of folks going to work. I mean, mm-hmm. we we can't shut down. We can't hit the pause button on this. So, so in our business, it's kind of it's grieve as you go. And there's and, people out there that you that that don't care about your grief. They're they're rude. They're abusive. And you know, the normal sector is not going to go through that. Yeah, and there's, and even the folks that 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 do care, and we had a tremendous outpouring of support. But even the folks that do care, they still depend on you. I mean, yeah. you still have to go out there and do it, uh, despite, you know, the tragedies that happened. You know, Dane, I've been retired now eight years. Time flies, but I did 34 and a half down at Des Moines PD, and I will stop and visit Tony Bominio's grave probably at least once a month. And, and I'm sure you've heard this from other officers. I just sit there and stare at that that guy's tomb, tombstone, and I think, why him? You know, how lucky I was and my peers to have weathered, you know, 30 plus years down there. And uh, the fact that, uh, you know, where he was shot, I had driven by hundreds and hundreds of times. And that's probably one of the last places in the city of Des Moines that I would have ever envisioned a police officer losing his life. I, I just, that stuff goes through my head constantly. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's such a tragedy in the sense that, you know, Tony Bermineo is, I mean, that guy was top shelf mm-hmm. in every aspect of the game. So, it, you know, it wasn't a, a tactical error. It wasn't a, a situational awareness thing. I mean, he was just absolutely ambushed. There was nothing he could do. You know, and you, when you stop and, you know, you, you look at that, that tombstone, uh, you think, okay, if that can happen to the best of the best, that could happen to anyone. Mm-hmm. And that's the scary thing in my position because, mm-hmm. you know, as I sit here, I have men and women out there doing it right now. You know, it doesn't shut down. And it happens every day across the country. It, it's going on to all other departments as well. The officers become a target. And when you have rhetoric, rhetoric out there uh, uh, doing things like this uh, that, that encourages this kind of behavior, it, it just upsets us. Um, anyway, tell us about a day, an average day in uh, the life of a Des Moines police chief. How's that go down from the time you get up to the time you roll in and see the boss at home? <laughs> well, that's uh, that's an interesting question because uh, I'm, I'm not the days kind of all run together because uh, you know, as most people know, this is a 24/7 operation. I mean, there's right. you know, right now we have men and women out there, you know, doing fantastic police work. We also have 
tonight. We have a narcotics unit out there that that's uh, uh, working some special operations. We have, I mean, we have folks out there right now doing it. So, I mean, my day, you know, doesn't really, you know, start and end when the sun comes up and the sun goes down. It's it's twenty four seven, and I'm, mm-hmm. you know, after what we've been through, I'm. I'm kind of a, an information junkie, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few minutes ago, I got an update text from Assistant Chief Alan Tunks. I've gotten a text since, uh, you know, since five o'clock uh, this evening from, you know, Stephen Waymeyer, the major that runs our investigations division. I mean, it doesn't shut down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it's it's text messages all night. It's emails. It's uh, but you know, you you get to the office and you get around the people. Uh, you know, that's, that's the enjoyable part of the day because the best thing about my job is walking into that 100-year-old building and having a front row seat for the incredible things that these men and women do every day and just having those interactions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we have a lot, of, a lot of meetings during the day, and we talk about things like equipment and policy, uh, you know, and training. Uh, there's there's always something to do in that building. I mean, it's it's never wow, you know. I I could go play golf, you know. There's nothing to do. There's always something, uh, you know. When you're trying to when you're trying to be the absolute best department, right. there's always improvement to be made. And that's that's kind of how our men and women look at it. You know, we come to work thinking, okay, what's the next great idea, and how do we do that? How do we implement that? Hey, Dane, I got a question for you, and you can just be brutally honest here because I'm ready to, to, I'm all ears ready to listen. What do you think of that public safety dispatcher, Katie McGee? I mean, <laughs> honestly, just, just lay it on me, Chief. There you go. <laughs> so she, she is an absolute great kid, and she also keeps me well supplied during the summer uh, of uh, fresh produce from her garden, so that's a good thing. <laughs> well, of course, our, our listeners should know that is Dave's yeah. daughter. He works there. The, uh, well, so you're down there. You're doing. You're doing your thing. What uh, What do you see the biggest challenge coming to the department in the upcoming year? A- you know, a- excluding I, politics. Yeah, excluding the politics. Yeah, that's that's something that's always kind of going to be looming there, and that's yes. just kind of the nature of the beast with law right. enforcement. But uh, I think the, the biggest thing for us is, uh, you know, just. We talked a little bit earlier. You know, line of duty deaths across the country are on the rise. Right. How do we how do we train and equip our cops uh, to keep them safe when they're out there doing it? That that's always got to be mm-hmm. you know, the forefront of every thought. And some of that is with you know innovations and in equipment. Some of that's with communications equipment. You know, and we you know got a twelve million dollar you know, new digital radio system, right. you know, that's got GPS on it so we can always find our officers. Uh, you know, some of that can be policy. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's some policies that I've implemented with with that in mind. How do, how do we take care of our cops? And uh, two of them, you know, that we didn't have a lot of discussion about because I was just, I was just flat out going to do it. I don't force feed, you know, a lot of stuff to the truth. I mean, right. it's, it's not my style. But one policy is uh, that I implemented was a mandatory uh, bulletproof vest policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you're wearing the uniform, you're wearing the vest. If you're a detective and you're out doing a follow-up, right. you're gonna throw, they have a throwover vest that they can put on. But, you know, that's, that's one of those things that, you know, I look at that as that gives me peace of mind. 
you know, that, you know, they don't, they don't have to like it, you know, but I think they all understand it. You know, if they say, well, I got to wear my vest because the old man says I have to, that's well, that's all well and good. I don't care as long as they wear it. Is, um, is, is that a vest that you, you wear over your shirt? Because when I was down yeah, there, we, we wore the vest underneath, and it was so uncomfortable to wear it underneath your shirt. But now it's a, it's a yeah, more so of a. So we had yeah. we put a committee together of you know line officers, you know uh, men, women, all different shapes and sizes to put this together and say you guys pick out the product that you want. Mm-hmm. So you still have the option to wear the one under the vest under your uniform, which what I what I do. There's a vest carrier that can go over your uniform. Mm-hmm. You know, that has some extra pockets and holders and things for your equipment on it. Uh, then the detectives have a style of vest that quickly they can throw over, you know, their shirt and tie or right. their polo shirt or whatever they're wearing. So we let the, we let the troops uh, make the decision on that. And, it, you know, my piece was, we're going to do it. You figure out what the best product is for you, and I'll find a way, I'll find a way to buy it. And and it, mm-hmm. and it worked out well. We had tremendous input on that. Another mm-hmm. thing that uh, that we implemented in the in the same spirit of how do we take care of our folks is uh, now every year on your the week of your birthday, every police officer, uh, dispatcher, communication specialist, and our CSI folks have a mandatory mental health check in with our staff psychologist. Oh, nice. uh, yes. You know, th- this is this is something. I mean, we've we've had some tragedy on that end too. I mean, we we had a we had a sergeant take his own life, and nobody knows why. Hmm. Well, I can't I can't sit around and guess. You know how certain situations impact people. Uh, you know, so I can make those decisions by policy to send you to to get some help. So I decided rather than miss miss somebody or miss the situation, we'll just do everybody every year. Right. Uh, now the only the only feedback I get from this visit is uh, whether or not you showed up. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so I don't get. You can talk about you can talk about work. You can talk about your personal life. You can talk about whatever you want to talk about with staff psychologist. Uh, and the only report I'm going to get back is whether or not you showed up. Uh, and I I think it's been very well received. The unions were. We're all for it. Uh, in fact, I did mine uh, two weeks ago. Uh, it was, uh, you know, just an opportunity to sit down, you know, and kind of, kind of get it off your chest, if you will. So those are those are a couple policy decisions right. that were both both driven 100% by how do we take care of our people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Has uh, uh, switching gears a little bit. How's how's recruiting? How's that going? I, I you know, we. We see uh, people starting to these other departments starting to hire people. They're offering bonuses, increases. Uh, have you guys done any of that? Are you seeing the need for that? Uh, tell me where that's at. You know, we we've been keeping very close tabs on that, and and some of the, the smaller agencies in the metro have had tremendous struggles trying to find qualified people for whatever reason. Uh, we've had really good luck in. Uh, in May of this year, we graduated our biggest class in, well, in the 30 years I've been here. We had 28 uh, new officers hit the street. We followed that up with a, uh, a class of 22 uh, that's currently in the academy. It's down to 20 now because uh, two of them uh, have injuries that uh, are 
significant uh, enough where they'll have to wait and attend our next academy, but we'll have 20 in that. Uh, we just finished a recruiting cycle, uh, you know, where we had, I think, just over 300 applicants. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, we seem to be we seem to be holding our own on that front. I think I think there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, if you want to experience all things police work, you need to be you need to be in a in a bigger agency like Des Moines. Yeah, I mean yeah. we we have everything to offer. We also have you know the best pay in the state. Uh, you know, we, we have good ben- benefits, and we and we have great people. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think I think they have a lot to offer. So you know. You know, you, there's officers bailing out of Chicago, bailing out of Minneapolis, St. Louis, you know, all over the Midwest. Uh, and I think, you know, we've, we've kind of developed a strategy in the, in the coming years uh, to recruit some of those, some of those places. Uh-huh. Because there's good cops that, you know, that just want to do the right thing that are operating under circumstances beyond their control where it's just impossible to do it. So we have a strategy to kind of tap into to some of those resources as well. I see. Hey, uh, I'm going to switch gears again. Um, vehicles, cars. Uh, I know Dave's been involved in some cars because he's doing some things. Uh, has that shortage affected you guys on purchasing new cars or anything like that? Uh, fortunately for us, it has not. Now, we had uh, – we we've purchased two uh, very large fleets back to back. So we still have uh, probably a dozen vehicles that are sitting, waiting to be outfitted. Brand new um, cars. And so we were, we were fortunate. We, we have, we have a captain uh, named David Ness, who is a financial whiz that runs our planning budget section. Uh-huh. And yeah. And he, he sees these trends coming. I mean, he's, he's very engaged. He's also very visionary, so he's kind of got he's kind of got us ahead of the game a little bit. So mm-hmm. we're we're in great shape in terms of in terms of our fleet and the equipment in it. Hey Dana, do you see? Uh, you know, I'm I talk to cops all over the metro area and across the state. Uh, a lot of folks are migrating to the Chevy Tahoe. Do you see you guys taking a look at that down the road? You know the uh, the price on those is. It was getting pretty competitive, mm-hmm. you know. When you when you compare that to the Ford, now it's kind of, you know, it's kind of a, a toss up, if you will. If you when you start asking around, you know, you know, Ford or Chevy, you know, Iowa or Iowa State, John Deere or International Harvester, right. you know, everybody everybody has their own opinion on that. Uh, I see us staying with the with the Fords at least in the short term uh, because all of the equipment that we put in is retrofitted for the Ford. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cages, the, the camera system, the, the inserts that we put in to hold the in-car computer, uh, the shotgun and rifle rack. We've, we've kind of uh, retrofitted ourselves into that Ford model. So mm-hmm. for the, uh, to make that switch would be tremendously expensive, unless there was a a true clear advantage, you know, with, with the Chevy, we'll, we'll probably stay with the Fords for the short term. Does, uh, does officer acceptance, I know in, in the trucking industry, getting employees, having that acceptance is big. Does that play a, a part in that at all? Do they, do you get their input on what they want? Yeah. So when we, uh, several years ago, I mean, it's probably been 10 years ago, we, 
uh, started looking at what was the difference between the Dodge Charger and the, uh, you know, the Ford Taurus version of the police car. And then we threw in the Chevy Impala version of it. And, and we, you know, we bought a few of each and threw them on the streets and let the cops, let them sort it out. Right. Uh, and, uh, we tore the crap out of the Chevys. They didn't, they didn't last probably six months. Uh, the Dodges a little longer, but the cops didn't like them. Not as roomy. Sight lines were a little, uh, were a little different, uh, you know, and the Ford won out. So yeah, yeah we, we let our cops, you know, when we put new equipment in those cars, we, we get the, the test and evaluation equipment from the company, throw it in there, hand the keys to the cops and say, tell us if it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, because at the end of the day, you know, I'm not, I'm not sitting in there with all that equipment. They are, that's their office for 10 hours a day. So yeah, they, they have to have input on that and it has to work to them. We were up in, uh, not too long ago, we were up at, uh, Carl's and they've got a whole dedicated system or a facility there for law enforcement for first responders and their cars is very, very impressive. I don't know if you've taken a tour of that, that that's really something up there, but, um, well, moving on, tell us a little bit about you. Tell us about, I know your lovely wife, uh, you know, she, uh, Tammy keeps you straight and, and on the <laughs> straight and narrow, uh, but tell us hobbies. What do you do in your off time? You know, uh, just being, being around people, you know, you, you would think you'd want to cut the tie and just separate and just, you know, find a, a quiet spot and, right. you know, and just chill out. But, that's really not my personality. I, I like to be around people. We love, you know, we, we like to play golf with friends. Uh, you know, we go to sporting events, you know, and, and that always involves a crowd and friends. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, our kids are, are adults, so, you know, we kind of all enjoy the same things. Live music. Uh, right. You know, there, there's so much to do, in, especially in Des Moines. I mean, if, if, if you get bored in Des Moines, I mean, that's probably your own fault. Uh, you know, the outdoors, you know, we have a tremendous trail system. We, we ride our bikes, uh, you know, we paddle boarding, we go boating. I mean, there's so much to do. You, uh, are, you, you do not shy away from, uh, getting out. I will say that out of all the chiefs that I know, and I, you know, I can go back quite a ways. You get out more than anybody I know. And, uh, you're, I would say you're about the most accessible chief, uh, to the public I've seen. And I don't know if that's been good or bad for you, but. It, it's a fact, I think. I agree. I agree. Dana's a people person. Uh, he was a lot of fun to work with and be around. He's got a good sense of humor. Good cop. Uh, yeah, he's he's. Uh, I always said Dana uh, when you first started that if I could put you into a machine that would duplicate you and sell you as a chief of police nationwide, I'd be a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's. A, I appreciate the kind words. <laughs> you know, it's uh, you know. Most of you know the credit for for being grounded, being stable. That that's got to go to the family. You know, starting yeah. with my wife. I mean, that that's where that all starts. You know, but then the, the the success that happens in a police department, you know, doesn't happen in my office. It happens at the line level. But people make it go. Uh, I realize that. I just I just try to do my best to support them and uh, you know and encourage them. But you know, at the end of the day, they just. I mean, they just take care of business. They can they can make a chief look really good, or they can probably make a chief look really bad. Mm-hmm. But we have a good department, and I think I'm a I'm a benefactor of that. Well, I will tell you this much: 
guys like you that are fortunate enough, like you and Dave, to have the Lindas out there and, and you know, your wife out there uh, with uh, that behind you, that is, uh, that's the bedrock of, of stability and, and you guys both. Chief, I'll tell you, when I retired eight years ago, um, I remember telling then Chief Lillard, now retired Chief Lillard, that my last day there and leaving was like somebody lifted a 300-pound stress blanket off my shoulders. I loved every minute I was a cop. I was there for 34 and a half years. But when you're done, you're done. <laughs> you, you, you yeah. Stick a fork in you, Dana. You're all done. And, and you, you can... You'll, you'll be like me. You'll be able to look backwards and not have any regrets, but you'll so be looking forward to uh, Dana Winger, the private citizen. Dana? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I'm closing in on that. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a few years away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, the, the first thing I'll probably do is, is take a sledgehammer and smash the smartphone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I can, so I can get a good night's yeah well i will tell you the the citizens of des moines are so lucky to have you and and uh anything uh contrary to that i would stand up uh and and raise all kinds of hell with hey um we're gonna wrap up and let you go but there is one final question and again uh i'm not gonna give you the miranda rights on this so uh (laughs) it's it's a pretty deep question so if you're ready to ready to to go are you you know i'll give it to you Okay, I'm buckled in. Let's go. I just want to know who you think on December 9th in Ames, Iowa, will win the Iowa State-Iowa basketball game. The number 21, the now ranked, or excuse me, the now ranked number 19 Iowa State Cyclones take on the unranked Hawkeyes. They've been on a little run here. They've uh, knocked off a couple ranked teams. Uh, they're looking good. They're actually uh, uh, their team is winning uh, because of their defense. They're yes. they're playing good defense. The offense is clicking. They, you know they're not hurrying shots. They're not panicking. Uh, so I guess Iowa State will probably be able to stay within ten points, maybe. Be able to stay within 10 points. (laughs) Well, you know, Mr. Winger, you know, Chief, you're going to be there. So you, I will hold you to those words, and we may have to have a little wager on that game. There's nothing more gratifying than sitting courtside at Hilton Coliseum wearing your black and gold. Uh, I know it. I I get it. I get it. Pollard looks across the court as and frowns. He's like, who is that guy? But anyway, uh, well, that's, I'm looking forward to that. By the way, you got, uh, uh, best of luck on your, uh, your surgery. You're having some hip surgery, some work. Yep. And, uh, that's one of the things that happens when you do 30 years in the business is, uh, parts fall, uh, starts to fall apart and uh, we get, uh, a new hip tomorrow morning. You're going to be built back better. Well, hey, then, you know, Dana, they get you right back up on your feet tomorrow or later on after the surgery and after some of the, you know, pain medications wore off. And everybody I've talked to said that, you know, it, the pain's minimal and, and it's, it's hip replacements are a lot easier to deal with than knees. So you got that going for you. Well, yep, that's, uh, that's, I'm hearing the same thing is, uh, 
you know, if you had to choose between hip or knees, you'd take the hip. Uh, yes. Beginning of the week, so uh, I'm lo- I'm looking forward. I'm just I'm I'm just done with the with the chronic pain, so yep. I'm, I'm sure everything will go great. Well, they'll give you some good pain medication, and you get rested up because a week from Wednesday, it's on, baby. It's in. It's on in Ames. Hey, you know, Dana, I want to. I want to wish you and your staff and uh, all those uh, blue suits that work for you 24-7, 365, the very best of the upcoming holidays here. If anybody deserves to be with family and friends, it's the badge. So uh, wishing you guys the best. Yeah. Same here. We appreciate that. Appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, thanks for what you do. Okay. Thanks a lot, Chief. We'll talk to you soon, Dan. We'll get you on again. Bye-bye. All right, bye. All right, take care. See ya. Bye. Well, that was great. God, I love talking to me. Dan yeah. Weir. He's such a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. We we uh, we get the big names on this show, and it's going to continue to get better and better. Next year during the midterms, we're going to have some heavy hitter politicians on, on the show, and we're going to ask them hard questions, questions the mainstream media won't ask you. We're going to lay it on them and get their their, their response back to questions they're not often asked. We're starting to see them, and I will tell our yeah. our uh, our listeners the connections will get better, the sound will get better, uh, uh you know, so it's it's going to be good. Uh, well, Dave, that's a that's a wrap on another, a wrap. another show. We yep. just knocked it out of the park. I thought great guest. Yep. And uh, you tell your lovely wife I said hi, and I'll I will <laughs> see you. I'm taking care of your truck, right? There you go. You take care of my truck. <laughs> All right. I'll Bye, talk buddy. to you later, buddy. See you. You've been listening to Cop Talk USA with your hosts Marillo and French.